Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Inspired Table podcast. It is so good to be back. I had a few weeks off, which I feel like I say all the time, but I did have some time off over the Christmas New Year break, but I am back. I've got some amazing episodes up my sleeve ready to go. So you can expect one weekly over the next few weeks. And today's episode is a really great one to start off the new year. It is with nutritionist Fiona Tuck. And Fiona's not your average nutritionist. Sure, she is a qualified nutritional medicine practitioner, but she is also a skincare expert, yoga teacher, and an accredited member of the Australian Traditional Medicine Society. She knows her stuff. She was so full of information during this interview. And I really enjoy her approach to nutrition because although it is about getting as many nutrients in as possible, it's also a really holistic view of it and a really kind of manageable way for people to take control of their health, which you'll find out within the interview. I mentioned it briefly in the interview, but Fiona's skin is phenomenal. I've I've met Fiona a few times at events and it's the first thing I notice about her. So the advice that this woman gives about skincare is something that we should all listen to. Anyway, I won't keep telling you what to expect. You can take a listen for yourself, but it's great to be back. And I hope you enjoy the first episode of 2018 of the Inspired Table Podcast. You know what? It's funny, Fiona, because we have met a few times, but I don't actually know a lot about your background in detail. So we might actually just start off with you telling me a little bit about exactly what it is you do and how you sort of came to be doing that. Sure. I do a lot of things. Been around the block. Yeah, nice. (laughs) My background is skincare and nutrition. So many, many years ago, I trained as a skincare therapist and um, that was in the UK. So I grew up in England and I trained in skincare. And at the time, it was a three-year full-time course, which did include nutrition and exercise and aerobics even. That's how long ago it was. Wow. Um, 
and always had a passion for the health and wellness industry and I worked in spas, in skincare, I had my own skin clinic um, or had a, had a partner with me in the UK and had a strong interest also in alternative therapies. So did a lot of uh, reflexology, aromatherapy, uh, even Reiki and um, loved it with a passion but really found what I enjoyed was teaching and educating people. And so I then went into further education and I predominantly taught people wellness and skincare. And then I moved to Australia in 2000. That's where I really felt that was my spiritual home, to be honest. I didn't know anybody and I just felt Australia was where I belonged and that's what I did. I hopped on an aeroplane and went to the other side of the world. I didn't know anybody and I had a job with a skincare company as their international training manager and travelled the world and absolutely loved it and met a huge smorgasbord of cultures and different people and it was really on my Asian trips that I felt a really strong draw to really investigate food more because when I used to go overseas, they would give me food depending on my energy level and my mood and, you know, how I was feeling and they would tell me what the food was doing and I'd never actually thought of food as medicine in the past. I'd really thought of it as something you eat and it was either good for you or not good for you and it would make you fat or it would make you thin. I'd never mm. looked at it as real nourishment for the body. And that's what then led me on to study nutritional medicine. And the more I studied, the more I then went down the nutritional medicine path. And now what I do is I consult with clients. Um, I do a lot of writing and media work with nutrition and I don't tend to focus so much on skincare. Um, I do from a nutritional perspective but you know, my big belief is good skin starts from within and if we don't get the inside right, it doesn't matter what we put on topically, it's really only a band-aid. So I have had a skincare company, manufactured and developed skincare products, but um, I'm no longer involved with that and I'm really now focusing on the nutrition side and the whole food supplement side as well. Yeah, wow. Well, the first thing I noticed about you when I met you was how incredible your skin is, my goodness. You just glow. <laughs> oh, so, that's amazing. Well, I do believe in topical skincare, so I do look after my skin. I always have, and I did have the luxury of, well, I call it a luxury. I grew up in the UK, so we don't get much sun over there. No, it is a luxury. <laughs> so that does make a difference as well. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, I've got the English skin, so I didn't come here till I was um, in my late twenties, and so that helps. But I. I'm passionate about fruits and vegetables and getting enough nutrition and nutrients in the diet. And so I'm very much a believer in, you know, eating good food. I don't drink um, very rarely. Maybe I, I did have a half a glass of champagne at Christmas. Woohoo! Wow. <laughs> So it's not something that agrees with me and I notice my skin's not good after alcohol and I think it's something you grow out of anyway. And um, I'm, a, I'm very passionate about nutrition and, and getting enough nutrients in the diet, you know, uh -huh. green smoothies and 
smoothies and fruits and vegetables and green juices and, and the whole food powders as well. So for, for those of us who have grown up in the harsh Australian sun and maybe grew up having a few drinks every now and then, what kind of like what kind of hope do we have if we were to now start really thinking about um, eating for better skin and using really nourishing topical treatments? What kind of like what kind of hope do we have for sort of this cellular renewal when it comes to our skin? Do you think? Well, there's always hope. Never give up hope. <laughs> and look, what we do in our early years definitely does come back and um, haunt us when we get into our late 30s and 40s. So it's hard to actually undo that damage. You know, the sun damage that we're exposed to in our early years definitely will be noticeable as we get older. Um, so that part is hard to undo, but really it is the case of feeding the cells with the right nutrients. So our skin basically is our largest organ of the body and it's a direct reflection of our inner health. And so if we're not getting enough nutrients in the diet, the first place to suffer is the skin. So one of the things we can do straight away is really making sure we're getting enough of the antioxidants, the vitamin C, the proteins which we necessary which we need for collagen production and for our elasticity. That's really important. And we also need the antioxidants to help with um, protecting the skin from UV damage. So antioxidants are a sun protection factor by any means, but they do help with repair stimulating the repair enzymes that help to repair the DNA from UV exposure. And so using sunscreen, as we know, is very important, but using sunscreen with antioxidants, topical antioxidants mm. in our skincare and getting the antioxidants in our diet is very, very important for good skin. Okay, so what, what kind of foods can we expect to find with a high antioxidant? Well, antioxidants basically are going to protect our cells from damage and the sun actually speeds up the free radical activity, so it's going to accelerate premature aging. So we're looking at really all the brightly coloured fruits and vegetables, carrots are fantastic, sweet potato, pumpkin, beetroot, berries, blueberries, raspberries, mm. strawberries, um, mangoes, all of those fruits that are rich in antioxidants are going to be good for us. Grapeseed extract is it's exceptionally good for protecting the skin. Um, it also helps to protect the telomeres, which are the little caps that sit on the end of our chromosomes. And when these become frayed or damaged over time, which can also be induced by UV damage, then that's when we start to get damage to the DNA of our cell. And when the DNA becomes damaged, that's when we can start to see cell mutations. So basically it's a little bit like a faulty photocopier um, and eventually we're not getting the right replications and we can start to see disease and possibly even cancers and um, you know DNA damage. So we want to protect ourselves as much as we can and the antioxidants, those fruits and vegetables are one of the best things we can do. Yeah, wow. Okay, so if you had to, um, I'm putting you on the spot here, sorry, but if you yep. had to create like a skin nourishing smoothie, say, what would be some really good things to throw in there? 
Well, what I always um, would recommend for the skin, berets are fantastic because berets have your um, your antioxidants, your polyphenols in there. They're going to protect the cells, but they're also rich in vitamin C. So blue berets, look, the darker the berry or the blackberry, the darker oh. the berry, as a rule, the richer the antioxidants in there. Right. So you can add your berries. You can add greens in there as well. Greens are really great for... Um, liver detoxification and rich in choline and of course we've got our folic acid in there and that's also going to be good for cleansing the body so if our liver is not detoxifying effectively then that can actually manifest as poor skin so we can see breakouts we can see pigmentation devitalized skin and so that's really important too. have a banana in there for a bit of sweetness bananas are great for the b vitamins and we know potassium but potassium is in a lot of fruit and vegetables as well and the b vitamins a lot of people don't realize how important the b vitamins are for our skin and that's because the b vitamins um, are involved in energy production so keeping our skin looking radiant and healthy and we also need b vitamins to metabolize fatty acids and we know that essential fats are crucial for that glowing soft velvet skin so sometimes people will say to me well I'm getting enough essential fats in the diet I'm eating fish I'm having flaxseed and they're still having problems with dry skin then the B vitamins sometimes um, including those and upping those in the diet can often be a way to go to help metabolize the fatty acids so adding a tablespoon of flax seeds into the smoothie will be wonderful for skin also for hormone balance as well so that would be something I would recommend then you can add a little bit of plant milk I tend to just add water yes chia seeds for fiber and more essential fatty acids and if that smoothie isn't a snack and it's something that's going to have to keep you going for a little while then I would recommend adding some protein so maybe a vegan place a plant-based protein such as a pea protein in there and we know we need the protein for amino acid production and that's the building blocks for collagen and elastin in our skin as well so protein is going to not only help maintain energy levels and keep you feeling fuller for longer but it's also going to help to strengthen the skin as well Mm, beautiful oh i love this i'm gonna make that very smoothie when we get off this call (laughs) blueberry smoothie purple power i love it and i love eating as many different colors as possible so it's nice to know that when you can sort of like eat the entire rainbow you're getting this myriad of nutrients vitamins and minerals across it It just makes you feel good, doesn't it? The more vibrant colors you have on your plate, intuitively somehow we know that it's going to be doing us good. If you look at a plate of food and it looks very white or very bland, it just doesn't have that same energy and that vibrancy. And that's because those different colors all play a vital role in our health and well-being. So really it, it is a case of eat the rainbow. Beautiful. Now, you touched a little bit on um, liver detoxification before, and it is the new year, and a lot of people are detoxing after the silly season. So do you have any sort of um, advice about detoxing, whether it's even worth detoxing, the best way to detox? Maybe just talk a little bit about that, because I think people get very confused, and what they do is they just cut everything out, and they feel like that's a detox. 
Exactly, and there's a lot of controversy around detox as well. You know, you speak to many people in the um, medical profession and, you know, even as a trained nutritionist, the body is naturally designed to detox on its own and many people will say detoxing is a load of rubbish, you don't need to do it because you have your own detoxification organs and the body works perfectly well and clears the toxins. And to a certain extent that's true. So we do have the liver, which is our main organ of detoxification. We have the lungs, the kidneys, the skin, and um, these all help us to excrete toxins from the body. However, what I would say is if you have been overindulging, if you've been drinking too much alcohol, you've been having a lot of rich fatty foods which um, sort of slow down the liver, make it harder for the liver to process, um, heavy metals from cigarettes for instance if you've been partying too hard you haven't been eating well perhaps you take medication as well which all puts extra burden and strain on the liver then the liver has to work harder to process those toxins out of the system now in an ideal world our liver is working effectively and there's no problem and it can effectively detoxify those things but the more we burden the liver you know the the more um, slower it is you know the harder it has to work so it's not an idea a good idea to constantly bombard yourself with an unhealthy diet you know even a high carbohydrate refined white bread and white pasta diet with no nutrients um, isn't going to do your liver any favors and it can actually promote what we call a fatty liver so um, what we eat plays a huge role on how well our organs of detoxification are working so if we're not having as many toxins, obviously that eases the load in the system. But if we're not getting enough nutrients in the diet, then that can affect how our body detoxifies as well. So what a lot of people don't realize is that our liver has two phases of detoxification. We've got phase one and phase two. And if these phases aren't working as well as they could be, what can happen is on phase one, when we break down these toxins, those toxins actually become more toxic and circulate back through the body. And that's why if phase two isn't working effectively, we can become very sick and feel very unwell when we go on quite a strong detox because your body is trying to get rid of all these toxins and it's got nowhere for them to go. It can't process them as quickly and get them out of the body. And we, we're basically exposing our body to very high amounts of free radicals. And so looking at the diet and making sure we get adequate nutrients can actually help to support the phase one and phase two liver detoxification. Um, for instance, phase one, we need the B vitamins, we need antioxidants, we need things like um, folic acid from our greens. And if we're not getting these, then it can affect our liver's ability to detoxify effectively. So that would be things like um, you may be more sensitive to caffeine because your phase one isn't working as efficiently or maybe even too efficiently. And so we find we become more sensitive to certain toxins as well and so what we can do is make sure we get those nutrients in the diet um, by eating the B 
vitamin-rich foods, and that would be um, things like eggs and poultry. A lot of the whole grains have your B vitamins in there as well and getting our antioxidants through fruit and vegetables. But then we also need to make sure our phase two is working effectively as well. And the phase two liver detox, you know, we need things like um, amino acids, protein in particular. We need taurine, and taurine is a nutrient mainly found in animal produce. So people that are vegan in particular may struggle to get enough taurine in the diet. Um, cysteine is very important. Sulfur, so we get that from our cruciferous vegetables. And we need choline from predominantly our green leafy vegetables as well. So it's important to get a really good balance in our diet to support liver health and to get those toxins out of the system so that they don't cause too much free radical damage. And it's interesting, Jordana, because if you look at people's skin and to see if their liver is working effectively, quite often you can see brown spots on the face, like pigmentation. Okay. And on the body. And you can also quite often notice in between the eyebrows, sometimes that area can be flaky or can get a lot of breakouts. And sometimes that can signify that there's a little bit of a sluggish or unhappy liver happening there. And so getting that extra support to support the detoxification can be really beneficial. Okay. So then how do we know in our own bodies how our phase one and phase two liver detoxification is working and functioning and if it's functioning well is there a test that we can go and do or are there ways to just tell with how we feel within ourselves I would tend to go more I mean you can spend a lot of money on very expensive tests and there's no point doing it unless you don't feel right (laughs) um so I would say you know if you're feeling tired, lethargic, bloated, Um, sometimes you can feel a bit nauseous, bilious, indigestion, reflux, Um, somebody that's prone to dilated capillaries or varicose veins, hormonal imbalance, bad breath, this can all be a sign of poor liver detoxification, poor skin, so breakouts on the skin, eczema type reactions, can also and even you know a lot of pigmentation sometimes not always but that can signify liver disharmony and also if somebody is taking a lot of medication or drinking a lot or having a lot of refined carbohydrates that will also mean that um, you know that can play quite a toll on the liver as well and then looking at how your body reacts I normally find when people are very sensitive to caffeine people that are sensitive to things like garlic or sulfur based foods you know onions that they can't process the sulfur or there's a weakness in that um, process or pathway then sometimes that can mean that there's um, it the liver needs extra support there as well and people that are sensitive to sulfites and um, wine in particular. So people that don't process alcohol that well, then that can also be an indicator as well. Mm, I think that's me. I think I fall into a few of those categories. (laughs) It's a lot of people. So whilst our liver is detoxifying, there's always room for improvement because Mm. what we don't want happening is the 
phase one basically detoxification breaking down the toxins and then them becoming more toxic and um, becoming free radicals if you like within the system mm. we need to get those cleared by the phase two and that's why we get the pigmentation because quite often pigmentation is due to not enough one either not enough antioxidants in the diet or too too much exposure to free radicals in the system and so upping the antioxidants can be beneficial increasing protein you know we don't tend to have enough protein in our diet um, you know recent studies have shown that we're actually not having enough protein so it, it's uncanny really because we're always talking about protein but most people aren't having enough and not only do we need protein for energy and to stop us from overeating really because it keeps us feeling satiated we also need it for phase two liver support as well okay so from a nutritionist's perspective can you give some people some examples of how much protein they should be eating and what types of protein Yes, so what I find is most people don't get enough protein at breakfast time and so what will happen is then they'll start to get blood sugar drops, they're not going to feel fuller for longer and they get those mid-morning hunger pangs or sugar cravings and they might not be having enough protein at lunchtime and that's why we get sugar cravings in the afternoon. Mm. So protein is basically found in things like eggs, and yogurt, um, meat products, fish, poultry, and we can get it in protein powders as well. We do get some protein in vegetables, and um, unfortunately, though, it's not much. So broccoli, for instance, does contain protein, but you have to have an awful lot of broccoli Mm. to to get enough protein it wouldn't be enough to have a sprig of broccoli in your meal to be getting enough protein you'd be needing something like um, a small piece of salmon chicken breast a couple of eggs is about seven grams of protein per egg and as a guide we need about um, our body's weight of protein in grams so what I mean by that say you weighed 60 kilograms you would need about 60 grams of protein per day okay Okay. um and that's quite a bit if you think you know there's seven grams of protein in an egg and um quinoa and a serve of quinoa you might get about six grams of protein so we need to have quite a bit things like um salmon and chicken then that starts to up the protein quite significantly and so we tend to get more protein from the animal-based products we get it in lentils and beans as well but it's really important to have a small amount of protein with every meal so at breakfast for instance including some goat's cheese if you're having avocado on toast or nut butter to get some protein from the nuts if you're having porridge for instance there's a small amount of protein or there is you know adequate protein in oats for instance but adding yogurt to your muesli for instance is going to up the protein as well Mm, that's really good to remember i'm very slack when it comes to protein i just well it's 
so important, you know, for skin, for hair, for nails. But what I find, you know, with so many clients that I see, you know, with the sugar cravings and the carbohydrate cravings, quite often it's because they're not eating enough protein. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so we've talked a lot about whole foods, Fiona, but what do you think about whole food powders in comparison? And I guess also on that line of thinking, protein powders as well. So for me, for example, I don't I'm allergic to eggs so I find it very hard to get protein in in the morning so I tend to just put protein powders in my smoothies Um, but I you know using powders to supplement all of the whole foods all the time is probably not the way to go but where do you think they fit in with a healthy diet in an ideal world, if we're eating fresh whole foods every every day and we're really diligent about what we're eating, we don't necessarily need to have the whole food powders and the protein powders. But I don't know anybody that lives in an ideal world. No. <laughs> you know, we're, we're busy, we um, are always on the go and we need food that is fast and food that is available. And that's why there's so many processed foods out there and I think our um, perception of what actual healthy food is is really changing and a lot of us now see processed food as healthy food because that's what we've been conditioned to think food is I mean if you even think about milk it's not fresh whole food it's actually packaged in a container and it's highly highly processed with gums and sugars and thickeners and it's um, pasteurized and heat treated so whilst it's milk as we know it it's not necessarily a whole food and healthy for us so Mm. we in my mind you know we are not eating enough fruit and vegetables and it's the fruit and vegetables that are so important for fiber which helps to detoxify the body necessary for gut health necessary for prebiotic support to support the um, healthy gut microbiome we're just not eating anywhere near enough fiber and the best source of fiber really is fruit and vegetables and we need the fruit and vegetables for antioxidant support as well and my recommendation is you know a couple at least a couple of servings with veg- of vegetables with every meal breakfast lunch and dinner and a couple of pieces of fruit so if you aim for between 7 to 10 servings a day you will be getting a good amount of fruit and vegetables most people aren't getting anywhere near that amount no. and As a result, you know, um, we're not getting the fiber, we're not getting the antioxidants. So this is where the whole food supplements can really benefit. You're getting concentrated antioxidant support, you're getting freeze-dried nutrients and whole fruits and vegetables that are basically concentrated. So you know that if you add that to a smoothie in the morning, you're really getting your um, fruit and vegetable intake. And that's a really good boost. So if you do that in a smoothie and then still include your fruits and vegetables at lunch and dinner, then you know that you're really sort of going, um, making good progress to getting enough nutrients in your diet. Okay, so the combination of the two is ideal if you can't just have whole foods for every meal, but on their own, they're probably not a good supplement. Well, Look, if you've got somebody that eats 
pizza, hot chips and cereal every day and there really are a lot of people out there that do that, I have to say. I know, it's terrifying. Um, Sometimes, you know, I think I live in a bubble and I live in a green smoothie bubble and I think it's normal to have smoothies and salads and vegetables every day and then, you know, when I see clients and they're sort of, oh, you that's that weird food, isn't it? I'm like, no, this is normal food. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting what people classify as normal food. And so if I see people that are having cornflakes for breakfast, wheat bix for breakfast with no fruit and vegetables, I would encourage them to have berries on there and have a little bit of yogurt. But adding the whole food powders definitely is going to really significantly up their nutrients and so it's definitely going to be a benefit to everybody yeah Yeah. okay that's really good advice but ideally we want to educate and change the diet but um definitely i look at whole food powders almost as a bit of an insurance policy to make sure we're getting enough nutrients but of course go for the fresh whole foods always where possible yeah, beautiful. I think yeah. that's really good advice. Um, so I wanted to ask you, as a nutritionist and somebody who's dealing with this sort of stuff day in and day out, what do you think we can expect this year in 2018 and going forward as some new sort of like health superfood trends? I think the prebiotic support is going to become a lot more popular we've been so focused on probiotics which are the good gut bacteria but there hasn't been a lot of attention to the prebiotic and the prebiotic basically provides the food source for the probiotic and the probiotic can't really survive effectively without constantly being nourished by the prebiotic so the prebiotic a very good source is inulin from artichokes and that's something actually we have in um, my whole food powder, the mm. Vitasol products, and that was put in there on purpose to supply fiber and prebiotic support. But we can also get the prebiotics from you know a lot of fruit and vegetables simply by upping those in the diet. So I think there'll be a lot more focus on prebiotic health and, of course, gut health. Okay. Then, we, then we're seeing hemp which was legalized last year about yes. I think, September or October. And so I do think we'll be seeing a lot more hemp products because of the essential fatty acid profile. There's some protein in there, it's rich in nutrients. And so there's hemp protein, another great source of protein for those mm. people that maybe want to try something a little bit different and I'm a big believer in mixing it up so if you do have protein powders every day mix up the protein powders so you're not getting it always from the same source because that's also important for our gut microbiome to be exposed to a lot of different nutrients and foods to help to promote diversity within the gut and also so that it's really good for our immune system as well so we're not constantly exposing our body to the same food all the time. So variety is definitely key. Something else that I think we're going to be seeing more of, which I'm not necessarily saying is a good thing, but I think we're going to be seeing more what I call fake food. And what I mean by that is more vegan food. So, you know, vegan cheese that's not really cheese. Um, and plant milks etc and again it's about mixing it up so 
if you're having a vegan cheese or vegan yogurt over a natural cow's milk or goat's milk, just remember that the nutrients aren't necessarily going to be the same. And a lot of people will swap out to say a vegan cheese because they think it's healthier and it's not necessarily um, by all means have it now and again or have it as a vegan source of protein and nutrients but just remember um, for instance the coconut yogurt is not going to have the same protein and mm. calcium as a, as a regular yogurt. I'm and surprised at how many people don't realise that about coconut yogurt. That's come up a few times in the um, retreat catering that I do. Yeah, People no, they think don't. That they're don't getting their protein from their coconuts, but they are yeah. not. <laughs> no, they're no, they're not. And also, they have a lot of fillers in their gums. Um, a lot of those plant milks have a lot of gums in there, which some people react to um, thickeners and gums. So just always read the label, check the sugar content as well, because a lot of them have added sugars. And Again, I always say mix it up so that you're not having the same thing every day. Rotate your plant milks if you're having plant milk because, you know, things like rice milk can be quite high in arsenic if you're having it all the time. So rotate. And also, the, just on that note, the thing with plant milk, especially those nut milks, is it's it can be quite a lot of nuts. I know I was having almond milk to replace soy for a while and I... I grew an intolerance to almonds because I was just consuming so much of it. Well, that's, you know, why it's important to have variety because when we eat the same foods every day, we do build up almost an intolerance. And then if you took a food intolerance test, you would come back um, intolerant or allergic to it when it's not a true allergy. It just means that your body is overexposed to it. Yeah. But also with um, almonds, you know, they can be high in um, arsenic as well, so, oh, cyanide, sorry, not arsenic. So, um, you, again, we can build up heavy metals and eating the same food all the time isn't a healthy way to go. Some of the plant milks are high in almonds, others have hardly any almonds yes. in them at all. But <laughs> then, we're getting, then we're getting almonds in, you know, nut butter and then the bliss balls and then the raw yeah. beef treats and that's when we do actually get what we call nut toxicity and you probably had nut toxicity mm, yes yeah I did I had to I had to abstain for a little while and now I can just sort of have them every now and then but it's just it's interesting and you know also I think that there's a lot of misconception out there that if something says vegan or gluten-free or sugar-free that it's automatically healthy Absolutely. And even organic, just because we see an organic label, we think it's healthier. And it's not always the case. I mean, some of the organic muesli's and yogurts out there mm. have got huge amounts of sugar in. And I would actually say the non-organic one with less sugar would be a healthier way to go than eating organic with, you know, huge volumes of sugar in there. So it is about reading the label and looking at what you're putting into your body. I often say, you know, when we go into the health food aisle in the supermarket, most of the food in there isn't actually healthy at all. No. It's really more designed for people with a food intolerance. It's not actually healthy food. You're mm. much better to keep around the periphery of the supermarket and have the fresh produce yeah. rather than think that you're getting the healthy food from the health food aisle. Absolutely. Nothing in a packet. 
that's the safest way to go. <laughs> right. And again, you know, moderation. I'm a big believer and I think one of the things that I've really sort of softened with this year um, and the more and more um, I see clients and the more I study nutrition is not to be too regimental about your diet and have a little bit of everything, not too much of any one thing. No food is bad. It's only bad when you eat too much of it. Yes, agreed. And that can be good food as well as the not-so-healthy food. If we have too much of the good food, then we can build up, as we've just said, an intolerance to that as well. So it's being a bit lenient. You know, I used to be no dairy at all, and now I've started having dairy, and I actually feel much better for it, not too much, but including some cheese in the diet to get the protein, to get the calcium, vitamin K2. You know, cheese um, can be a really good source of vitamin K2, and most of us aren't getting enough of that, and that's so important at for our heart health so um, you know it is about not being too regimental and not having too many strict rules and reg uh, regulations yeah and I guess when you get too strict with yourself it starts to induce stress and then that's a whole other health issue exactly and I think being too strict um, we can put ourselves at risk of nutritional deficiencies because we're not opening ourselves up to a wide enough variety of different mm. foods yeah, and I think that's so important. You've mentioned that a few times and I think I understand it because people find things that they know how to cook and they find things that they like and they just have them every day because it's easy and we're all so busy. But it is really important to make sure that you're mixing it up and, and eating lots of different things. It, it is and it's a lot easier to say but you know I would challenge anyone listening that if you're having a smoothie every day or you have a favourite smoothie are you having the same smoothie all the time? Because most of us tend to go to the good faithful recipe that we know. So even just by swapping the fruit out, different berries or mm. one day having mango, one day having berries, yeah. just try and change it up every single day. Yeah, I yes, I try and do that too because I have smoothies every morning. So I try and change the fruit. I have um, quite a few of your whole food powders. I try and rotate those as well. So I'm getting a mix amount of nutrients and I always try and make sure the color is different as well because <laughs> I think that's, that's quite fantastic. important yeah fantastic that's so important mm, and also what you said about the protein powders I mean I, I love hemp protein at the moment I really enjoy the texture of it as a vegan protein but every now and then I'll swap it out with a different protein powder because I, th I think you're right I think it's really important that our body doesn't get too used to the one type of food Absolutely. And look, protein powders definitely have got their place, especially if you are busy, you need to have them in a smoothie for breakfast, for example, or you need to up the protein in your diet, especially if you can't eat certain foods like eggs. But they are a concentrate. Mm. Um, they're not a whole food. And so mixing it up and having variety really is a good way to go. Beautiful. Well, Fiona, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. If people want to know more about you and your whole food powders as well, what's the best place for them to go to? They can go directly to my website, fionatuck.com, and on there we've got lots of blogs and information, nutritional advice. I've got free ebooks and free downloads. So if anybody wants to know how much protein they should be eating with each meal, how much protein in a chicken breast, for instance, or in a cup of quinoa, oh, it's wow. all available to download for free on my website with some yummy recipes on there as well. 
And the Vitasol whole food products are at vita-soul.com or you can just click through from my website directly to read more about those two. Yeah, beautiful. And do you do um, nutrition consults? Like are you working in clinic? I was working in clinic up until last year. So I am still continuing to see my regular clients but I do have very limited availability for new patients but that's not to say if there's someone that desperately needs my help I can be available. (laughs) You also you also have a book. I do the book came out last year and it's called The Forensic Nutritionist. Which I love. A lot of uh, thank you a lot of love went into that book it's really There was nothing out there that I could recommend patients and clients and students to read when they all ask me, which book do I recommend? And it really is a download of my knowledge on paper. It's to help people recognize what nutrients they may need more of in their diet or possibly even what they may be eating too much of. Mm. And, you know, there's no one-size-fits-all approach and a lot of people are following the latest fad on line they're following instagram doing what everybody else is doing and some people find it's just not working for them you know people have upped the fat in their diet and put on weight or other people have started having greens and not feeling so good so it's about recognizing what it is your body needs recognizing the early warning symptoms of nutritional deficiencies or early health warning signs and then what they can change in their diet so what nutrients you may need more of may be very different to what I need more of. So it's really a um, self-guide. It's about taking control of your health and not being told what to do by someone else. It's about being able to recognize what your body needs. So it's in a way an intuitive guide to really start to listen to your own body and its own language. Oh, I love that. I love that because, you know, all through my 20s, All I did was read the magazines, try every diet, try everything that was on trend and nothing seemed to work. And it was only when I really started to tap into my own body intuitively and figured out, you know, what made me feel good and what affected my energy levels and my skin and my way did I really start to truly understand what foods I need to be eating day in and day out. And I think that a lot of people still haven't coined onto that just yet. So to have a book about it and to guide them through it is just brilliant. Thank you. I mean, I'm hoping, you know, if I can make a difference just in one person's life or Mm. they can actually recognize something by looking at the book because we also look at tongue analysis, hair analysis, skin analysis, um, signs of nutritional deficiencies. So hopefully it will help people and they can make those necessary changes to the diet. And as I said, there's no one-size-fits-all approach, so everybody is different. Yeah, beautiful. All right, well, I'll, I'll put a link to the book in the show notes as well so people can find that. Um, thank you so much for talking to me today, Fiona. It was an amazing conversation and a really good conversation to be having in January as well. So I'm so glad you could join me at the beginning of the year. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.